So let me ask you, I'm going to start off this morning by asking you a question. Um, have you ever had a recurring dream? Yes, you've had, some of you guys have had recurring dreams where, where you're encountering a certain situation, you're dealing with certain people, uh, and, and it keeps coming over and over, and you're not sure why. Well, I've never had a recurring dream, but I've had a recurring dream location. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Um, in the mornings, uh, in the last, I don't know, since, since I've been married for 13 years, um, and my wife Christy's in the back with the kids, if you know Christy, that's, that's my wife, um, uh, for the last 13 years, sometimes in the mornings, I would get up, and I'd be making my cup of coffee, and, uh, and she would come out, and I'd be like, babe, I had, this, I had this crazy dream last night. And she'd, you know, just out of bed, she'd be like, was that your parents' house again? <laughs> and uh, I was like, yes! How, how did you know? Well, it's always at your parents' house. And see, for me, there was just something that was ingrained in my past about that house, about, about the town that I grew up in, about my family, and about my life experiences, where all of my dreams, where most of my dreams that I kept having over and over that I would remember, they were mostly happened in that small southwest Pennsylvania town. See, in the 80s and 90s, I grew up in a small town just about 20 miles south of Pittsburgh, and um, uh, my whole family was there, all my grandparents, all my aunts, all my uncles, it was a place where I could ride my bike wherever, wherever I wanted to. Uh, me and my best friend, we would go down to the drugstore. It wasn't CVS. It was a, a local drugstore where we would buy our penny candy. Um, this is how, I'm, I'm not that old, but we had penny candy. Um, and uh, my mom, she worked at the, one of the only banks there in, in our town. So everybody would come into, that, into her bank and she would get to know everybody and everybody would get to know who we are. Uh, my grandparents' business was there. My dad lo worked at the local coal mine. Uh, I remember him coming home all dirty uh, and black and dirty. Um, and uh, so it was a very, very small town. Actually, just uh, in the early 2000s, they got their first red light. So it's, it's a really small town, one square mile. Everything that I grew up in, everything ingrained in me, grew up, was, was ingrained in me in that town, in that setting, with all my family uh, and all my experiences. Time there seemed to stand still. From the moment that I moved out at 20, I moved up here to Michigan, uh, from the moment that I moved out at 20, never to, never to move back home, all of my frame of reference about that small town about uh, my family and my life was stuck right there. As time moved on, I still seemed to have a connection. Uh, maybe even more than that, though. Dare I say, I, I still seemed to live in those moments. My life experiences, the good experiences, the bad experiences, the values that I learned, the good values, the bad values, they were all framed, they were all ingrained in me, and the memories that were made for me were made in that house. So, like I said, I moved out at 20. I got married at 25. Uh, we started having our own family. And then, but still even as time progressed, and I still, and, I, and life was moving on, and I was, and I was growing and, and becoming a father, um, I would still have dreams about then. And so much so that I, I allowed my then to steer my now. Maybe you're there. Maybe you've experienced that before. 
So much so that you allow the, that we allow our thens to, to to steer our now. And as Christy and I would uh, be planning our family, planning our marriage, and and looking at things and how we can become a better husband and, and wife and and parents. We would either have these spoken or unspoken um, expectations where we would say something, may or may not say something like, well, my parents never did blank, so that's how I want my house to go. Or uh, maybe it was, in my family, we always fill in the blank, and that's how I want our family to look. For you, it may not be uh, your, your family house that you grew up in or the town that you grew up in. Uh, maybe for you, it's, it's uh, a life event that causes you to hit pause and to live there. <clears throat> maybe you had a traumatic event happen in your life, and from that moment on, even though time seems to move on, you don't. You haven't. Now, for a small percentage of us here, I, 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 I uh, can expect that maybe you've had a, a, an awesome spiritual experience in, happen in your life. Maybe you went on a retreat one time, and you, you allow that moment in your time, in your history, to, um, to steer and to guide, and, to, and you're living off of that experience. You've had some type of amazing spiritual experience that you've lived off of for a really long time. But I'm willing to bet that for the majority of us, we get stuck uh, things in our past uh, that are more and so more so than not negative will uh, uh, allow those things to steer our present. So uh, maybe it's something like uh, a particular sin, like uh, let's call it uh, drunkenness or gambling. Uh, maybe it's lust or a drug addiction, uh, in, t- in some uh, form of envy or jealousy or hatred or uh, something of that nature that, that seems to cling on to us. Are you guys glad you're here today? <laughs> For some of us, those sins, those hang-ups, they seem to track us down. They seem to follow us, and they want to define us even to this day. They'll say to us, go ahead, start that new job. See if it'll go away. Maybe move to a new house. Maybe you can have a fresh start. Maybe if we try hard enough, and if we put enough systems in place, uh, maybe if we have enough accountability, we won't cross those lines. As a caveat, if we're the ones, as I was thinking about this, as, as if we're the ones who are putting our accountability in place, if we're the ones that are putting our systems in place and drawing the lines, we are also the ones that know how to get around those lines. We're also the ones that know how to bend the rules and work the system. So, so I just want to throw that out there to you. But no, sin, see, see, sin has a way of finding us and keeping us from the life now here in the present that God desires us to live. Now, I'm, I'm a little bit of a cliche guy, and if you've been around uh, Christian, Christianese a while, there's some things that are sometimes cheesy, uh, me and my wife were actually talking about my cheese last night and how sometimes it's cheesy. Um, but uh, there's some things, that, uh, there's some sayings that are rather uh, cheesy, but yet, man, when I hear them, it rings so true. And there's something about the sin life, it's an old saying, it says, that I believe it's so true. It says, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay tell you what, when I first heard that, I was like, wow, that's so corny. But man, it's so true. 
It's so true. We all become stuck. Our sin, our past, it keeps wanting us to second-guess ourselves. And for a lot of us, including myself, we become paralyzed. Everyone say paralyzed. Yeah, that's right. We all become paralyzed, and we have no plan of how to move forward. Our past wants to keep defining our present, but it doesn't have to. And you know what? I'm going to go a step further this morning, and I'm going to say it doesn't get to. Your past doesn't get to define your, pe- your present or your future. This morning, I want to talk about a story from Scripture. It's found in Genesis chapter 13 uh, between two individuals. We see uh, a man named Abraham and a man named Lot and his nephew named Lot. Uh, Abraham, if you've been around uh, church, you know the Bible a little bit. Uh, Abraham was called by God to be the father of many nations. He was an old man who, uh, in, in his 90s, him and his wife both, had, both started having children and things like that. But uh, <laughs> Brian, Brian says, yeah, I'm 50 and I'm going to have a kid, yeah. So <laughs> we see the story, though. Abraham, in, in Genesis 13, Abraham and Lot, they each had their own uh, groups of people. Abraham had lots of people, and uh, he had a lot of possessions. He had a lot of livestock, and, and Lot, his nephew, Lot had a lot of people. Lot had a lot of possessions. Lot had a lot of livestock, you know. And uh, so much so that um, we see in Genesis 13 that uh, uh, Abraham's people and Lot's people were starting to, starting to fight with each other. And uh, simply because what we're told is that the land couldn't support everybody. There was just too much for too little space. So Abraham said, Lot, come here, come here, come here. Uh, let's, let's sit down for a second here. We both know that this situation isn't working for either of us. Uh, the land just can't support us. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look out, and I want you to find a place. And I want you to then, whatever place you think is good, I want you to go ahead and take your people, take your possessions, take your livestock, and, uh, and go ahead and go there. And then wherever you go, I won't. I will go the other way. And so as we see in Genesis 13, verse 10, uh, it says to us, Genesis 13, verse 10, it says, Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east, and the two men parted company. So Lot went out and he said, I like that land over there. That's got a lot of water. That's got a lot of green stuff over there. I think I'm going to go ahead and take that. That looks better for me and my people. So Abraham said, fine, go ahead. And he went the other way. Now, uh, as we see, as, as, story t- as, as the story progresses and as time passes by, uh, we, we look in Genesis 19. And uh, for some reason, I see Lot uh, started off in the plains, in the well-watered area. It was very nice, very fruitful, very lush. And uh, in Genesis 19, we see that, that Lot and his family are in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. They're, they're residents there. They set up there and... Um, I can only assume they had a good business, they had a good life, they were successful, they had friends, they, were, they had their house, they were established, they, they, had a good, they had a good thing going for themselves. 
And then in Genesis 19, they get a knock on the door. And uh, Lot opens the door, creaks it open, and there's two men outside, and he lets them in. These are messengers of the Lord, we're told. And these, these messengers came to Lot, and they said, gather up your family and all you can, anything you can carry and get out, because this place is about to go up in flames. And uh, Lot is, is a little bit taken back. He's like, I got a kind of good thing going here. Uh, I don't understand quite, but, uh, but okay, we'll, we'll try to get our things together here. Lot went to his, his future sons-in-laws and says, man, get your stuff together. We're all leaving. And those guys just looked at him and, and mocked him. They laughed at him thinking he was crazy. And I can see from Lot, I, I look at Lot's wife, and I can only imagine that she too was living a happy life, that she uh, was comfortable uh, being successful, a successful life, living the good life. But because the city was going to be destroyed, they had to leave. And, uh, and they said, hurry up and get out because this place is going to be uh, set on fire. And do not look back. When you leave, do not look back. So they left. Uh, uh, Abraham and his family and his two wives, uh, they, they, or I'm sorry, his two wives, his two daughters. Abraham, Abraham, his wife, and two daughters. No, not two wives. Um, Abraham, his wife, and two daughters, they, uh, they packed up and they left. The, the sons-in-laws didn't come. They didn't go. And uh, maybe with a hint of regret, maybe with a hint of sadness, uh, feeling sorry for herself, uh, the friends that she made, the successful life that she had, uh, as they left, she turned around. She turned around and she looked. She gazed. She longed for the people or the places and the things of that city. And Scripture tells us that she was turned into a pillar of salt. I don't exactly know what a pillar of salt might look like, but I can imagine that it looked like her going like this, and then all of a sudden she turns into a pillar of salt. So I don't know. But... Um, you know, I can just imagine that she has some type of affection for, for the people and the things of the city in which caused her to long for and to turn back and look. It's not that she just turned back to, to like, oh, yeah, okay, see you later. You know, I'm just kind of casually looking. It was a looking of longing for. It was a looking intently, intently at. She allowed her past to affect her present and here's the thing that really, really hits me about Lot's wife. She didn't trust that the future that God had for her was better than the past that God wanted for her. She didn't trust that the future God had for her was better than the past he wanted to deliver her from. From Scripture, I can't see in the person of Lot that he was indulging in a lot of, uh, a lot of sinful behavior that was prevalent among the city goers. But I can see that in some sense, he was somewhat desensitized. He moved some moral boundaries in his life. And uh, for one, I said before, you know, that he was living in the plains of the well-watered area. And somehow the city lights drew him and his family in. And, uh, and when these messengers of the Lord came to, came to his house, he brought them in. And there was a mob that came to Lot's door, knocking on his door. And it's pretty, pretty crazy, um, but... The, the knock on the door, and so Lot kind of cracked the door open, and this mob of people outside said, bring these two men who just came to your house. Bring them outside so that we can have sex with them. And I'm just like thinking to myself, that's crazy. 
And, and what does Lot do? Now, this is the part where Lot, I can see, kind of moves some of his boundaries just a little bit, where Lot says, no, 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 not these two men, not these two men, please, they're sent here from God, I, they're messengers of the Lord, um, not these two guys. Hey, you know what? I, I got two daughters. I can, I can send them outside. I can send them outside, and you can have your way with them. Eh, just a little bit of a move of a, of a moral boundary, maybe. I can only imagine what Lot's daughters were thinking in, in, this, pro, in this process. Just a hint, just a hint of moving uh, uh, this, these moral boundaries. But uh, anyway, uh, so that, that's the only thing I can kind of see when it comes to uh, a lot and, and his, um, and his uh, current state of being while living in, in the city. Lot's present was affecting his future. As, as I was thinking about this, as we rewind our lives, as you and I rewind our lives, do you see yourself maybe in Lot or in Lot's wife? Maybe you've lived a pretty good life and you've tried to please God with your choices. Maybe you see regret for missed opportunities, maybe a sin that keeps haunting you. Maybe you see good choices that didn't end up so good. Maybe you see yourself like Lot. He thought that he had made a great choice by, cho- by that choice of the land that he chose. Maybe you see yourself uh, this morning uh, like Lot's wife. She wasn't willing to let go of her past in order to trust God with her future. When I first became a Christian, I became a Christian at 17, uh, and I started to get into to God's Word. There were some verses that were really just starting to like rock me and really stick out at me. And uh, one of the verses was 2 Corinthians 5.17. He, said, he tells us that the old is gone and the new has come, that we are new creations. Everyone say new creations. You are a new creation. I am a new creation in Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. When I first became a Christian, I had some junk in my, in my present and my not-so-distant future, or my not-so-distant past. I had some junk in my not-so-distant past. It was filled with poor choices toxic relationships, and unhealthy friendships. And when I came across this verse, that you're a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, I I picture in my head a caterpillar with a butterfly. You know, the the caterpillar wraps himself in a cocoon and and a metamorphosis happens and it outcomes with some struggle, which has to be struggle, uh, so that way the butterfly can fly. A change happens. The old is gone and the new has come. To me, when I came across it, there was such a freedom, a freedom from this bondage, a freedom from these toxic relationships, unhealthy uh, friendships and poor choices, a freedom from my present situation that didn't have to define my future. We see in John 10.10 that Jesus tells us that he has come to give us abundant life. Jesus came to save this world of which you and I are part of, not to condemn it. My wife is a, uh, is a big uh, Disney fan, and growing up, I-, I wasn't a Disney fan at all. And, um, and when we were dating, she would say, well, have you ever seen The Lion King? And I'm like, no, I'm not. It's well, kind of a dumb movie. You know? it's not, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of these things. And, and, uh, with <laughs> and so... Um, 
And so, uh, you know, after, you know, getting married and, and starting to have kids, um, she has introduced the Lion King to my kids. And um, after listening to the Lion King about 600 times, um, uh, I have grown to like the Lion King. And, uh, you know, so this morning I want to show you a video, uh, a portion of the movie uh, that I believe is a great example of the life that we choose to live and how it affects our destiny. Check the screens out. You knew my father? Correction, I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again. <laughs> He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on. Hurry up! Hey, whoa, wait, wait. Come on. Come on! Would you slow down? That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. I go back. I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember who you are. No, please, don't leave me. Remember. Father. Remember. like the winds are changing. Ah, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! <laughs> Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or 
Learn from it. Ah! You see? So what are you going to do? First, I'm gonna take your stick. No, 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 no! Not your stick! Hey! Where are you going? I'm going back! Good! Go on! Get out of here! <laughs> The winds are changing. I love that. See, Simba found himself in a very peculiar place. Um, he chose to forget his past. If you know the movie, he, he chose to forget his past, which prevented him to, from living up to his potential. However, at the same time, he couldn't forget his past, which prevented him from embracing all that he could become. As the Lord's messengers told Lot about, uh, told Lot and his family to get out, we're told that Lot hesitated. He hesitated. He lingered. His his hesitation, his lingering, could have been his downfall. Could have been his ruin. And uh, one of the things that I love about this clip is that. When Rafiki, the monkey, told uh, Simba to follow him, to say, come on, come on, follow me, follow me. He started running, running into the jungle, and then Simba ran up to the jungle, and then he, what happened? What happened? He, he stopped. He hesitated. He hesitated. Because what happens? What will happen if I go through this? What, what, what will I find out? What, what will I encounter? And as he started going through it, as he started going through the jungle to follow, follow Rafiki, you hear Rafiki just whisper, say, or you hear just a little verse, a little word says, he says, don't dawdle, don't dawdle, don't hesitate, don't linger, come on, come on. Simba lingered. Lot lingered. You and I, we linger. And when I think about lingering, lingering more so than not, has, does not have a positive spin on it, you know? Lingering mostly is, is negative, you know? It's like, man, these people showed up early to our party, and, uh, man, when are they going to leave, you know? Uh, or, or um, you know, you, you might have an illness, uh, this nagging cough that just it seems to linger, you know? Something, it more so than not, just has a negative connotation to it. So I'm not sure what you may have come in through these doors with today, what kind of baggage you might be having today, maybe what kind of secret that you might be having stowed away and hoping that it will never show its ugly face again. You might be here today and you say, you know what, I got Jesus, but I still struggle. I want you to know that you don't have to fight alone. The church, everyone who calls Fieldstone Church their home, is here to walk alongside, help you, pray with you, do this journey with you, you see, something happened in me, and I'm not exactly sure how to explain it, how it happened, but uh, I think I can say this with a clear conscience, that it's been a long time, my wife will tell you, be able to tell you, uh, I think it's been a pretty long time since I have referenced a dream to my parents' house. Maybe it's a separation, maybe it's the realization that I no longer live there. Those memories are just that. Their memories. Where I live at now, the present, is where I choose to make new memories. So that when my kids are older, they can look back and say, you remember that time that dad would always make pancakes on Sunday morning? 
or Saturday morning? Remember that time when dad would take us to the zoo? Remember that time when dad would play baseball with us in the, in the backyard? Uh, instead of, do you remember that time when dad would sit on, his, sit on the couch and think about his life and what it used to be like when he was a kid? You know, I don't want that, you know. I want them to remember the memories that I'm proactively making for them instead of still living in my own past. So what do we do with all of this? How do we take this forward? What do we do with it? I want to give you a couple practical applications this morning, and I'm going to put some scriptures uh, with these applications, not necessarily reference them, and I encourage you to to look them up, do your homework, and... and, um, and even check me on them. Um, so the first one is, how do we move from our past to uh, not letting our past define our present or our future? First one is, do not linger anymore. Okay? Anymore. Romans 13.11 tells us that the hour has already come for you and I to wake up. Wake up from our sleep. Because our salvation is now nearer than when we first believed. Causing us to wake up and it causes us to move. To move from where we've been, where we've been living, to what we could be and what our future holds. The second thing is be sober-minded so that we can pray. In other words, keep your head in the game. Distractions, daydreaming. They can all lead us down a road of living in the past, which plays on our affections and our desires. And when we think that the times were better back then, when our life of sin was fun and permissible. Prayer is your communication with God. It's a two-way conversation. When you feel the pressure of sin, when you feel the pressure of your old life rearing its evil head, turn to Scripture and pray. Recently, you experienced, uh, if you've been around Fieldstone long enough, you may have experienced uh, a dinner party. Next one is community. I've attended church long enough to know that there's more to church than just coming and going. There's relationships that happen here. Uh, there's, There's a community of faith that believe that Jesus can speak truth and encouragement and life and build you up and challenge and equip you and me to be, to live like Jesus. Proverbs 18.1 says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. Man, when I came across that verse, it made me think, man, I don't want to live by myself. I don't want to live in my own silo. I need people who are around me who can speak truth, encouragement, challenge me, correct me when I'm wrong. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We all need community to help us move from from then to now. I want to invite the band to come on back up. The next thing is, how how else can we move from from living then, uh, from from leaving our, our then back there and living now, not letting our then affect our present? Take hold. Take hold. Grasp it. Hold on to it. Even though the fires of hell may burn your hands, do not let go. Philippians 3.12, Paul tells us, 
Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold. Everyone say, take hold. Take hold of that which Jesus Christ already took hold of me. He's saying, look, I haven't arrived. I don't, I don't have it all together yet. But I know that Jesus came and he died for me and he took my sin and my shame on the cross. And even though I haven't arrived and I haven't, I'm not perfect yet, I'm living and I'm striving to live my life to take hold of that which Jesus has already taken hold of me. He goes on in Philippians 3.13. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to what? Take hold of it, have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is past, forgetting what is behind me, and straining towards what is ahead. I press onward toward the goal that God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. If we, friends, if we keep looking in our past, if we keep looking behind us, we're never going to be able to take hold and embrace our future. Another, another thing of how can we uh, uh, not allow our past to define our present is becoming more than conquerors. Take your rightful place. As it said in the video, take your place. And in Romans 8, he tells us that in all these things, we have become more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us. We need to not let our past define our present. Jesus died on the cross for me and for you, for our sin. He has given us each a new name. We are more than an overcomer. Can you say that with me this morning? That I am more than an overcomer. I'm more than an overcomer. Oh, wow. You don't sound like more than an overcomer. <laughs> this is something that's really burning in my heart because I believe that I've lived my life and I believe you've lived your life. In the past, we've been stuck so long in the past that Jesus came to set us free. And he says, you can have, as we sang earlier, victory. Can I get an amen? amen? Oh, man. We are more than overcomers. We're going to start singing a song. And uh, it talks about we are no longer slaves. You can be a slave. You can have, sometimes with slave, being in slavery, um, these chains that we allow in our past to define our present, these chains, they can feel warm. They can feel comfortable. They can feel familiar. But the thing about chains is that they're heavy and they prevent you from, from, from achieving all that God wants for you today. In, actual, in actuality, they're cold. And uh, so this morning, uh, we're going to sing... We're no longer slaves. Maybe fear is keeping you back today from pursuing God, from letting go of whatever has been keeping you back. Maybe fear has been holding you down and saying, Jesus, I, I trust you, but I kind of trust you. I want to encourage you today. Let the spirit of worship, let these songs of worship wash over you. As we sing, let it wash over you and think about the, the freedom that we each experience because of what Jesus has done for you and for me. Would you stand with us this morning? See, when we keep, when we're reliving our past, we keep remaking the same mistakes. We keep replaying the same experiences, the good and the bad. 
We keep rewinding the same moments, never able to move forward and record new moments to build upon our past lessons. What we learn from Lot is that even though we may hesitate, even though we may linger, our salvation is not based on our merit, but on God's mercy. It was God's mercy that got him and his family out. His sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice, was too great for us to keep doing what we've been doing. Whether you've been living off a great experience with God for a while, or you've been letting your failures define your present and your future, God is saying to each of us, including myself, seek me, find me, know me, seek me with your whole heart. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? I can satisfy it. I can satisfy what you're longing for. Jesus is telling each of us here today, I have forgiven your past, and I hold your future. I want to pray a blessing on you, and then uh, we can be dismissed today. And you know what? Thank you for letting me be part of this today. I'm really humbled, and I'm really honored, and I'm just thankful that God has, has done his work in me, and I pray that he does his work in you. May you walk in the newness of life that is found in Christ. May you realize that your destiny is not defined by your past, and may you choose Jesus and claim his freedom as a child of God and live as an overcomer in the name of Jesus. May you live in the victory that Jesus provides. Amen. Thanks for being here, everyone. Have a great week.